This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Golden Edge Podcast is brought to you by the DeCastroverde Law Group. Our motivation is you. Honor, loyalty, integrity. That's the legacy of our father who taught us to always be there for our community. And the reason why at DeCastroverde Law Group, we will always treat you like family and do everything for you. Call us at 702-222-9999-222-9999. Your case is our case. Your victory, our commitment. At the Verde Law Group, our motivation is you. This is Greg Olson, and I'm thrilled to introduce my new podcast, TE1. TE1 will chronicle a 60-year evolution of the tight end position, from its origins as an obscure, overlooked blocking role to the versatile superstar position that it is today. I'll explore the evolution of the position through conversations with some of the all-time game-changing tight ends. And just like the incredible tight ends we sit down with on my new show, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. This truck is all about grit, strength, and dependability. The same attributes it takes to be a tight end. What is up, hockey fans? This is the Golden Edge Podcast, the podcast where the Las Vegas Review Journal talks about overtime playoff hockey. We are here to break down game three of the Western Conference Final between the Golden Knights and the Dallas Stars. I am Ben Goats, one of your Review Journal Golden Knights beat writers. On the other line is my colleague, Dave Shane. Dave, have you taken a moment to breathe yet? after uh, the intensity of the playoff overtime action that we got uh, very briefly tonight. Definitely took a breather, but still haven't been able to like fully digest it. I think I'm going to kind of talk my way through it here. I, I, I don't know what to, to fully think of that. I haven't digested it yet, but we'll get there. We'll get there. We definitely will. It's a lot to digest very quickly because the game actually – only lasted 31 seconds in overtime for the Dallas Stars won 3-2 to two to take a 2-1 lead in the series. Like I said, we'll break it all down for you. But first, I want to remind everyone that the Golden Edge podcast is sponsored by the DeCastro Verde Law Group. We are also presented by DoorDash, Sunday Ticket, and Favor, drinkafavor.com. Also, please check out all our written work at reviewjournal.com. Dave's game stories should already be up as we're talking right now. And of course, rate, review, subscribe. Whatever you do to podcasts, please do to this one. It helps people find us. And we just always appreciate hearing your feedback. You can also find me on Twitter at Ben S. Goats, G-O-T-Z, and Dave at, at David Shane L V R J. 
So the crazy thing about this game is an actual kind of back and forth hockey contest broke out for the first time this series. There were shutouts in both game one and game two, just like there were shutouts in game six and game seven of the night's last series against the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, This game, both teams scored, which I didn't realize was allowed anymore. Uh, And the Knights, like I said, came out on the losing end three to two. They are now down two one in a series for only the second time in their brief history. The other time, of course, being the 2018 Stanley Cup final against the Washington Capitals. The Knights trailed one nothing after two periods and two one seven minutes and 35 seconds into the third. But they fought back to tie the game twice. They got it to overtime. And then Alexander Radulov, as I said, just took 31 seconds to win the game in overtime uh, with a just absolutely incredible shot that uh, beat Robin Leonard, went off the uh, right post, and then into the net. Uh, real quick, before we start offering our thoughts on the game, let's quick hear from Golden Knights coach Pete DeBoer with his reaction. Yeah, we put a lot of work in tonight. You know, I thought I, I liked our first period. Um, I thought in second, they pushed back and... And, uh, and then I thought in the third, we, we responded again and, um, you know, had, had a bunch of chances to, to potentially win the game in the last five minutes of the third. So it was one of those nights they were opportunistic, and that's what they are. You know, it, it, Buck got on the wrong guy's stick in the wrong spots tonight for us. Ben and Radu off with a little bit of room, and they, those guys stick pucks in the net when they get those looks. Well, there's Golden Knights coach Pete DeBoer's quick thoughts. Now let's hear from right-wing Alex Tuck on what he thought of the game. Yeah, obviously, it's frustrating. Um, but we're not going to throw ourselves a pity party. Uh, we're not going to blame it on anyone. Uh, it's all 20 guys in our locker room that played tonight. And um, no matter how much we felt like we should have won that game, we didn't. Now we're going to move on to game four. So there's Alex Tuck as well, uh, still, you know, coming out. Uh, pretty pretty emotional after that loss. Uh, Dave, I know you said off the top that you were still kind of processing it, but just what are some of your initial thoughts on what we witnessed tonight and uh, the Golden Knights going down 2-1 in this series? I mean, I kind of wrote this and it felt like maybe you felt differently. It, it kind of felt like a coin flip. It really felt like that game kind of could have gone either way. In terms of the shots, it was obviously kind of lopsided, you know, for the Knights' favor, certainly attempts and, and shots on goal. But the Stars created a lot of good scoring chances, and, and they were certainly threatening. Uh, the way that their defensemen were able to jump up in the rush presented problems for the Golden Knights. It just it, it was one of those games that, that I feel like going into the series, we knew how evenly matched these teams were, and, and I think this game probably illustrated that it, it could have gone either way it, it felt like you know I hate the cliche it was a game of inches and I, I did kind of write it but you know it was an inch here that that Robin Leonard gave, gave Jamie Ben on the second goal it was like an inch there that he gave Radulov uh, on the third goal for the overtime and you know the stars are able to, to to capitalize that's really all they needed and that's you know it, it these these games are so tight this series is going to be decided by the smallest of margins. And, you know, tonight I feel like that's, that's what it was. It was just the smallest little things that made the difference for Dallas. 
Yeah, no, I think it was definitely a really close game. For those of you that maybe subscribe to more of the analytical side of hockey um, and like to look at, you know, kind of advanced stats and such, uh, expected goals in this game, which is a stat that you could find on a website that I like to use called Natural Stat Trick, uh, expected goals, which kind of take uh, both shot quality and shot quantity and kind of figure out, you know, how many goals teams are expected to score uh, based on the shots they took and where they took them from. Had this game basically dead even at five on five, the Knights were just, you know, minutely ahead of the Dallas Stars in this game. And I really do say minutely, this game was pretty much even at five on five. And then the Knights had the advantage on the power play where they, of course, scored a goal from defenseman Shea Theodore. So overall, the Knights might have had a slight edge, but certainly didn't feel like a significant edge, Um, which does bring me to my kind of, I guess, big picture question from this game, Dave. Are the Knights ultimately, you know, more disappointed to have lost this game because they had a chance, they fought back, like I said, in the third period to tie it twice and force overtime before losing? Or are the Stars more relieved to have won it because we've talked about how they are obviously a defensive-minded team that seems to be reverting back to their regular season selves that can't score that often. So I would have to imagine if they had lost this game, that would have been a real big heartbreaker because they were up one nothing in the third and then 2-1 also in the third and let those leads slip away, which makes me think that you know this is the kind of game that the Stars can't let slip away if they're hoping to ultimately prevail in this series and go to the Stanley Cup final. Um, but I guess, you know, am I wrong there? Or is it ultimately just still disappointing for the Knights that they weren't able to kind of, you know, make it even more of a coin flip in overtime and instead they lost fairly quickly? Yeah, I mean, I think you raised some good point in terms of just, you know, the stars. I mean, they're a team, you know, we talk about how good they were defensively in the regular season and especially protecting a lead. So in the regular season, they were 23-1-2. and two. When they were leading after two periods, they were 6-1 in the playoffs entering tonight. The one loss was actually against the Knights in the round robin when the Knights came back, scored three goals or, or was it three or four. Four goals, I think, in the third period. Four goals, one was an empty netter. Right. So so now 7-1 and one, uh, when when they're leading after two periods. I mean, I guess, yeah, like like you say, if you're that type of team – and you have a lead, that's that's the type of game that you have to win if you're Dallas as opposed to the Knights who probably felt like, and they said they were chasing the game uh, most of the way. And it, it's, you know, obviously, I think, and Alex Tuck mentioned this, you know, you're disappointed afterward. But, I, you know, I don't know how aggrieved, I guess, you could feel if, if you're the Knights. I mean, I, I, you can see it both ways. It's sort of a half-empty, you know, half-full half sort of, you know, optimistic, pessimistic sort of argument. But I think maybe it's it's equal on both sides. I, th- I think the Knights are equally disappointed to have lost as the Stars are relieved to have won it, if, if that's a fair thing to say. Uh, I mean, I think both teams knew how pivotal this game was. You know, Pete DeBoer said, you know, you're not eliminated after this game. Nobody's out. Nobody's going home. But, you know, there's some pretty strong stats of, of what happens when you go up 2-1 in, in a best of seven or even, you know, especially in a conference final. It's it's pretty strong, you know, towards 70-80%. You know, if you win game three, you go up to one, but you go on to win the series. So it's certainly an important game. And and I think if you're the Knights, you know, to feel like you had a chance, to feel like you, you to use 
Pete DeBoer's phrase, you did a lot of good work. Um, and to not get rewarded, yeah, you, you feel disappointed. But, you know, I also feel like that, like we just talked about, that game was so even. And if you're the Knights, you, you probably go back to the drawing board a little bit and feel like, okay, we have to find some ways to make the game more like game two um, going forward and, and not get into a back and forth, I guess, with Dallas. Honor, loyalty, integrity. That's the legacy of our father who taught us to always be there for our community. And the reason why at the Castleberry Law Group, we will always treat you like family and do everything for you. Call us at 702-222-9999, 222-9999. Your case is our case. Your victory, our commitment. At the Castleberry Law Group, our motivation is you. You've counted on restaurants. Now, they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with a new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. Yeah, this definitely did feel like more of a Dallas Stars type of game for most of it. And then the Knights kind of were able to take control and make their game their their own in the third period. Uh, but ultimately, they weren't able to find that third goal to kind of put the stars away before it got to overtime. And one of the reasons they were not able to get that third goal is that for the most part, actually, it's this was a really good goaltending battle, I thought. And actually in the third, it kind of felt like a war of attrition to see uh, who was going to survive the longest. Uh, luckily for the stars, Anton Kudobin, who was excellent all night uh, and really seemed to be laboring in the third period, didn't have to face a shot in overtime. Now, he insisted he wasn't hurt after the game, but certainly there appeared to be a couple times where he was, you know, stretching for a save there in the third and might have pulled or tweaked something. Like I said, he insisted he wasn't hurt after the game, but he certainly didn't appear to be 100% at times. And keep in mind, Kudobin, who is the Stars' primary backup this season, hasn't ever played this much hockey in his career. So these are issues that might pop up from time to time. Uh, on the other side, Leonard was for the most part really good all night, except for Dave, you mentioned 
that Jamie Ben shot that beat him for the second goal as one being he might like to have back. And then he also let in the first shot he faced in overtime. And that ended up being all she wrote for the game. Hard to necessarily blame him that much on the Radulov shot, but it did beat him. Uh, Leonard also took a puck off the back of the knee, maybe making a last second shot on Ben in the third period to uh, force overtime when the stars got a really, really good chance in the dying seconds. Um, and that shot looked like it really stung Leonard, but he insisted he was fine afterwards. Um, Dave, you kind of asked Leonard to just evaluate his performance after the game. Uh, just what did you think of uh, his answer and what he kind of told you? Yeah, I mean, I think it was a fair answer. You know, I mean, it, I think it's probably a little hard to, you know, evaluate in terms of, you know, was it a great shot, which is kind of what I asked him, you know, look, do you have to tip your cap, you know, to the guy who makes a shot like that and, and finds a small hole? Or is that something, you know, you and a goalie, you know, need to correct or fix? It was a mistake on you. And, and you know, not to blame him. It's certainly not where I was going with it. But I, I just like I said earlier in, in the podcast tonight, it just felt like it was an inch. You know, it looked like he had the five hole closed against Ben and then just a little crack and it kind of banks off and, and goes through and goes in. And it looked like, you know, he came out, had a good angle on, on Radulov and I guess not, you know, he kisses it off the post and it, and it goes in. I mean, that's a heck of a shot. You know, it's at some point you gotta, like I said, you gotta tip your cap to them a little bit. So I, I don't think he was necessarily, I'd say, you know, responsible for the loss. It's not his fault or anything like that. But in a weird way, some of these games feel like, you know, you need a shutout or you're going to need one goal. You know, if you're getting into two and, and three goals allowed, it might not be enough in this series. The flip side to it is this, and, and we'll see going forward. I felt like the Knights were going to start to wear down Kudobin. You know, we had talked about this with, uh, with Dave and Shane and, you know, other folks. I mean, Kudobin's a smaller goaltender. He's not a guy that's like a career starter. So to have him go 15, 16 games in a row like he's gone now, you, you kind of figure at some point he's going to wear down. And it felt like the Knights were maybe starting to get to him a little bit after game two. And then he shows up game game late tonight and he fights through whatever, you know, was ailing him there in the third period. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens going forward. But right now, it, you know, not again, not to blame Robin Leonard. It's just it's like. It's one of those things you have to, you're asking so much of a goaltender right now. That's the reality of it. These guys have to elevate everything because it's such a razor thin margin of, of victory. And at this point in the postseason, and you know, any little mistake, any little hole that you give that, that the other team can, can jump through like we saw tonight and, and it costs you. Yeah. And that's just kind of how the Dallas stars play hockey is they want these low scoring games where kind of, you know, small things end up ultimately costing you. And I think we even saw that on the first goal that the Golden Knights allowed where, you know, Mark Stone basically kind of wipes out uh, heading out from the blue line to the neutral zone. He's not there to necessarily pressure the puck. And then uh, Jamie Alexiak is able to kind of scoot free and hold off Alec Martinez because Alexiak is like six seven and just much bigger than Alec Martinez uh, on a breakaway and score. And I think for the most part, if you're the Knights, that's just kind of a, you know what, something bad happened and you kind of shake your head and move on because there's not many times that 
you know, your best defensive forward is just going to wipe out their six, seven, you know, non-offensive typically defenseman is going to get a breakaway and then actually be able to score there. But in a series like this, where it feels like each goal is like scoring five goals because they just have been so rare this series, it just feels like it's, you know, giving up more than you actually are. And so that's why I think all those little, you know, minutiae that you can pick holes in what Leonard necessarily did tonight are interesting, but you said might be also missing the forest for the trees a little bit. Uh, I also think what you said about Kudobin is interesting because it definitely does seem like these stars are being very careful to manage him. We saw him get pulled uh, at the second intermission of game two, despite the fact that, you know, the game wasn't out of reach. It was three, nothing. And while it certainly felt like the stars couldn't come back in that game, I mean, a lot of NHL teams are perfectly capable of scoring three goals in a period. It was not like the game was completely just out of hand at that point, but they want to be careful with him and manage his minutes. And I also believe based on practice footage, the NHL released to the stars yesterday that Kudoba didn't practice yesterday. And so they're trying to, you know, take it easy with him as much as possible. And uh, you can certainly understand why based on his night tonight. Uh, Another thing I want to touch on in terms of the stars is they mixed up their forward lines tonight in their first game as the quote unquote home team. This series, they reunited their usual top line uh, with Ben, who was their captain center, Tyler Sagan, and then Radulov. Uh, Previously, as we touched on, on these post game podcasts that we do, the stars had kind of done, um, I would say, you know, relatively even distribution across their four lines. They would have one or two, you know, really good guys on each line, but, you know, just not one kind of complete unit. And they did that to kind of negate the Knights' overall depth edge in this series, it felt like. But they put together three of their most talented players tonight, and they did what probably Coach Rick Bonas wanted them to do, and they were really, really good. Ben, obviously, as we talked about, has scored. He had an assist on Radulov's game winner, and then Sagan had an assist as well. And I also thought it was interesting that Bonas basically uh, just went out and said after the game today that he challenged his veteran forwards to be better last night. And uh, certainly I don't think Ben or Sagan have had the offensive numbers that they would like this series and this entire postseason so far. Um, but today all three of those guys kind of showed up. Um, what did you think of the the problems they kind of presented the Knights with tonight, Dave? Well, I mean, I guess, you know, in, in terms of the chess match, you know, we've talked so much this postseason about every button that Pete DeBoer has pushed seems to have worked. And he's kind of, you know, I guess I hate this term, but outcoached, you know, his, his opponent in a lot of ways. Um, it feels like tonight the move that Rick Bonus made kind of was, you know, check, I guess, on their part, um, you know, advantage them. They, they see, you know, those changes seem to work. It sparked the offense that the stars had been searching for, obviously one goal in the first two games, but, you know, more than anything, I think they just, they needed to get Tyler Sagan going. It got him going a little bit. They need to get Radulov going. It got him going. And it presents a problem for the Knights because, you know, when they when they try to balance it out and counteract what the Stars were doing in the first two games and say, okay, if you're going to make sure that you have an offensive threat on every single line, 
then we're going to have a line that that can make sure you know we can match up against it well when you throw you know basically a i don't want to say an all-star line but you know a clear top line against you know a, a knights lineup that's maybe a little more thinned out and balanced and you get the last change you know i'd have to go back and look and see how the matchups worked and who was on the ice with whom but you know it it puts rick bonus in the situation and gives him the advantage where he can try to get that first line out against, you know, maybe the fourth line of the night. Obviously the fourth line didn't play that much late, but you know, to the point of it, it, it allows him to dictate who he wants those guys out there against. And if the Knights have their best players spread out, obviously it makes it harder to match up. And at least, you know, for this game, you know, like I said, the, the stars won that matchup. You mentioned the stats, you know, Ben two points. Radulov had the game winner. Sagan had an assist. You know, so you could see it right from the start early on, especially Ben, just the way that he was physically engaged. And, you know, that line really, really drove the bus for the stars. That's their that's their best players. Those are their leaders and and the guys that have to carry them. And at least for one game tonight, they did and put themselves in, in a good position in the series. Yeah, absolutely. Uh it's I think it's been pretty noticeable that as you mentioned, Jamie Ben was really engaged physically tonight. I thought he was also just super, super physical in game one. And surprise, surprise, the Stars ended up winning both of those games. It really seems like, you know, and this is not shocking because he is their captain, that he's kind of the talisman of, you know, however he's going is how the Stars as a whole are going to be going. Uh, one more topic I want to quick hit before we kind of try to flip the page a little bit is uh, special teams. And this is actually going to be one spot where we're not going to necessarily be, you know, praising the stars or denigrating the Knights. It's an area where the Knights have been really successful this postseason, and especially in this series so far. The Knights won the special teams battle one, nothing tonight with Shea Theodore's power play goal. They've not given up a power play goal to the stars yet this series. And they have now scored one each of the last two games. Uh, meanwhile, I believe their penalty kill has killed off 19 straight penalties. And that's even when the Knights are taking them. They have not taken many so far this series. The Stars have taken, I believe, now 14 through three games. So really, you know, and I touched on this earlier when talking about kind of the advanced stats for this game. This is one area where the kind of ice has been tilted very much in the Knights' favor. And that's something I don't think we necessarily expected this postseason, especially on the penalty kill. You know, Dave, is there anything that's standing out to you that's just been extremely different with each of these units? Or is it just a matter of fact the Knights are just kind of clicking better right now? Yeah, I mean, there's a specific difference on the power play that I've noticed the last couple of games. But let me, uh, the point I actually want to make about this is that for all of their success on special teams and you thought it would be something that would tilt the series and especially the way that the stars came in and how hot their power play was and for the Knights to shut them down, you'd figure that they would be in a better position in the series. They've done everything they need to do in terms of, of special teams and they're down to one in the series. And maybe that's, I don't want to say discouraging, but disappointing that you haven't, I guess, gotten more, uh, out of that because the special teams like you mentioned have put them in a position to win these games 
so the penalty kill is interesting to me real quick just because I, I and I plan to ask Pete Tabor about this, I think, tomorrow. I just find it interesting that he is like a penalty kill guy, you know, everywhere he goes, like that's his thing that, and, and to hear him talk about it, it was so funny to just hear him no matter what they do. It's like, he's never going to be pleased with, with the penalty kill. You know, it's like his, his pet project. Like it's like his thing that, that no matter what his teams have to be good on the penalty kill. And I think they've gotten real close to the point that even he mentioned, yeah, I'm almost happy with it. Um, it, but in terms of the power play, I think the specific difference or change that I've noticed and I wrote about this is where they have Mark Stone stationed. And he's down on the goal line now and then being able to work kind of net front. And we've seen a few plays. We saw it in game two. Uh, I wrote about it and it was diagrammed by Ed Olchek. But putting Mark Stone on the goal line is similar to what the Knights are able to do early in the season with Cody Glass and take advantage of his playmaking from a different spot on the ice and present a different threat because it felt like they were so one-dimensional um, on the power play where everything was either coming from you know the top with Theodore or whoever was in the right circle, whether it was you know Pacioretty uh, with the first unit or Alec Martinez with the second. It was just so easy to defend. And now all of a sudden they're they're opening things up. I don't I don't remember which power play it was, but they had a chance where maybe it was like a five on three. Maybe it was the five on three. I don't remember. But there was a play that Stone from the goal line fed Smith in the in the slot, and he got off a one timer. Radulov made a or a, sorry, Kudobin made a really good save. Um, but it was the type of play that we haven't really seen, and and just for them to be able to present that type of threat and you know attack from different areas on the ice. I think has opened up the Stars penalty kill. And I think that's part of the reason, at least the last couple games. And then you can actually go back. I mean, the power play scored in, I think it's six of the last eight. Maybe off the top of my head, I might I might be off on that. But, you know, they they have produced and and we'll see if it continues. Yeah, it would definitely be key for the Knights to keep that going because, you know, as you said, for all of that, they're now down two one in this series. So they need power play goals probably moving forward more than ever uh, all right before we close this podcast down we're in a quick look ahead to game four it is saturday at 5 p.m on nbc and by nbc i mean big nbc um so that'll be obviously a very key game for the Knights. uh the one thing i'm going to ask dave is jonathan marcia so before game two turned it a must win for the Knights, and obviously they did win it to even up the series at 1-1. Are you looking at game four in a similar vein for the Knights as a quote-unquote must win, or is even that too early? Or are, or is that just where we're, we are at this point? I mean, I, you know, we're the media, so I guess we get the blame when we say that it's a must win. But it feels like it, right? I mean, you don't... Uh, in the same way that you didn't want to go down 2-0 in a series, you don't want to go down 3-1 in a series. So in that sense, I, f- I feel like it's every bit as much of a must win as it was the other night. We'll see how they respond. I mean, I kind of felt maybe I, I don't know. That's why I don't bet because I never have a good feel for this sort of stuff. But it felt like after game two that the Knights, you know, sort of figured out some things and, and were able to kind of impose their style. 
And I, you know, they weren't able to really do it as in terms of like long stretches in this game tonight as maybe I thought they would coming in. So, you know, with all that backdrop and and knowing how important it is to avoid three one, yeah, it does it does feel like a must win. We'll see how they respond. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see what ends up happening in game four, and of course the rest of this series. You can check out all our coverage as always at reviewjournal.com. We'll also keep doing these post-game podcasts uh, after every night's game the rest of the way, and you can find them on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, etc., wherever you get your podcasts. And please uh, rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, it, we really appreciate it. It helps people find us. As a reminder, the Golden Edge podcast is sponsored by the DeCastro Verde Law Group. We are also presented by DoorDash, Sunday Ticket, and Favor, drinkafavor.com. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. For Ben Goats, he's Dave Shane. We are the Golden Edge podcast, and we'll talk to you guys again real soon. Honor. Loyalty, integrity. That's the legacy of our father who taught us to always be there for our community. And the reason why at DeCastleberry Law Group, we will always treat you like family and do everything for you. Call us at 702-222-9999. 222-9999. Your case is our case. Your victory, our commitment. At DeCastleberry Law Group, our motivation is you. They say a healthy gut means a healthy you. Favor apple cider vinegar shots bottle this feeling into the convenience of a two-ounce shot. Better digestion, stronger immune system, and the lowering of blood sugar levels are just some of the benefits to shooting a daily Favor shot. Their proprietary blends are raw and organic and mixed with other functional ingredients to create a better tasting experience. First-time shooters can go to drinkafavor.com. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.